morning? My mic should be on, is that correct? That's good. Welcome to week number two. I'm going to start with a quote. Today we're going to look at the character of God or the root and stem for what we are studying, which is uh, uh, Calvinism is the, the, the thought of theology, really, but in reality it's biblical, biblical truth. The free decrees of the king. I believe that every particle of dust that dances in the sunbeam does not move an atom, more or less, than God wishes. That every particle of spray that dashes against a steamboat has its orbit as well as the sun in the heavens. That the chaff from the hand of the winnower is steered as the stars in their courses. The creeping of an aphis over the rosebud is as much fixed as the march of the devastating pestilence. The fall of Sir Lee's from the poplar is as fully ordained as the tumbling of an avalanche. He that believes in a God must believe this truth. There is no standing point between this and atheism. There is no halfway between a mighty God that worketh all things by the sovereign counsel of his will and no God at all. A God that cannot do as he pleases, a God whose will is frustrated, is not a God and cannot be a God. I could not believe in such a God as that. That's uh, sometime before the turn of the century, Charles Spurgeon. Let's pray. Our Father, I thank you for the day. We thank you for the time to remember the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, this morning. Lord, thank you for not leaving us in our uh, lost condition. We thank you that you are indeed a God that saves. Lord, I pray today you would uh, open our eyes so that we might hear and understand the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that we would be humbled as we look at your character and your free rule of men and your free rule of decree and your providence. We thank you for this day. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Class is What's in a Calvinist? Tulip. This is week number two which is the 25th, since we didn't start on the 11th. I was ill. Class schedule, week two, the root and stem, God's character and sovereignty. That's the same slide as last week. Could perhaps have touched it up. The root and stem, God's character, free to rule. The sovereignty and the providence of God. God's free and proper kingship or God's sovereignty. Look at that in a minute. We must accept God as he is if we are ever to truly know ourselves as we truly are. So how are we to know God as he is? In his word, right? That's, God is communicating God, right? He somewhat revealed himself in nature. But to truly know who he is in his essence and who he is in his character, we have his word. We learn the truth of God there. Again, the purpose of this class is not to push a system for a system's sake, but to explain the gospel truth about God in man's salvation. As we learn truth, as we learn doctrine, it awakens, it sustains, and it increases within us our love of God. If we know who God is, then we can 
more fully and truly know him and worship him. Why is it important to establish right thinking about God? Why is it important? Hope, right? Evangelism. Who you're hoping in, right? Right? Some people are hoping somebody's not doing them much good, right? But if we were to know God, if we think rightly about him, we will truly be able to know him. I think it's because right thinking and truth about God are meant to produce radical lives, lived well for God, and worship and evangelism and rightly hoping so we can live out our life each day. I want to look at God's sovereignty or... His free and proper kingship. And then afterwards, I'm going to look at God's providence. Okay? With the decrees of that king. we got some ground to cover today. The Bible always presents God as sovereign in every circumstance. The Bible seems to exclude the possibility of accident or chance. Okay? Um... Even random acts, right? We, you don't see that in the Bible. But you do see verses like, the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord, right? Proverbs 16.33. Joshua 14 says this. This is talking about the land and the people, right? When they came in to the people, they, how were they to divide it up? That was the question, right? Well, the inheritance of the land was determined by lot as the Lord had commanded. Joshua 14 tells us that. So God uses what is, appears to be chance to us, right, to provide or show his determinants. Okay? It's chance to us, so to speak, but God determines the roll of the dice, so to speak. Okay? Um, there's even some thought when, uh, remember when uh, Achan sinned, right? And they brought them forward by tribe, by family, by individual, and eventually it was Achan. There's, there's that, the words there, the sense is they basically cast a lot. Every time the person came up, they cast a lot. And eventually someone's number came up, right? It would come up every time and it would be narrowed down. And eventually Achan's number came up and they stoned him. Well, where is God sovereign? God is king over all creation, nature, he sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool, the frost or like ashes. I love this. He hurls, he hurls his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his coal? He sends out his word and melts him. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. God is so sovereign over all of nature. Okay? Now is he sovereign over the elements? He is. Uh, he created everything, right? Joshua thirty-two. I don't have it up here, but it says uh, he made all the heavens and the earth. He is free to do as he pleases as creator. Not just God of the Old Testament, but Jesus. And they went and woke him, saying, "Master, we are perishing. Where is this? Where is this going? Where is this? What's happening here? He's in the boat." Right? The storm has come up. Jesus is sleeping. And he rebukes them. He speaks and they cease. And there was a calm. And he said, where is your faith? 
And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Answer, who, who, who is this? Who was it? That's right, that's right. It's God Almighty, Jesus Christ, his son. Okay. What was the first miracle that Jesus did? Water to wine, right? Turned the water to wine. That's right, Andrew. He took the molecules of water, all right, and he showed his sovereignty over the chemical makeup of, these, of the elements. He showed his sovereignty over the chemical, I mean, over time. He fermented it. And that was his first miracle, was his demonstration of his power over nature and over time, right? He created time, and he created all that there is. First miracle. All right? Our Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and earth by your great power and by your outstretched harm. What's the song? Nothing is too hard for you. God is free over the nations. God is free over the nations. What's that verse? Read that. Somebody, just read it. All right? The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. Water's flowing out of the faucet or down the stream, and we place our hand, right? And the water goes around it. And that's what God says the king's heart is like. He turns it. He diverts it. He makes the king's heart do as he sees fit. All right. This is a little interesting, I think. I like this. Isaiah 10. This is where God is, uh, Israel's has been disobedient. And God is going to judge them. And he's going to use a country. He's going to use a nation, the king of Assyria. This is Assyria, the rod of my anger. The staff, the staff in their hands, the staff in Assyria's hands is my fury. Against a godless nation, I send him. Who's the godless nation? His own people, Israel, right? I send him against the people of my wrath. I command him to take spoil, to seize plunder, to tread them down like mire in the streets. But he does not so intend, and his heart does not think so, or so think. Okay? He doesn't think, the king of Assyria doesn't think God is directing him. He doesn't think he's an instrument of God. He's carrying out his own will. But it's in his own heart to destroy and to cut off the nations. Okay? But God is sovereign over that godless pagan king's heart. This is Nebuchadnezzar. God is free over nations. This is Nebuchadnezzar. Dan, it's, when the, it's when Israel had been uh, removed from their land. The youth had been removed. They had been taken to serve at the, at the whim of the king, Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar stood on, a, stood on the top of his castle and said, Oh, look at all these great things I have done. Right? Look at my great kingdom. That's not a good thing to be saying before God. God struck him down. Okay? Because Daniel prophesied, said, King, if you don't start acknowledging this, if you don't take care of the poor, God's going to strike you down. And Nebuchadnezzar heard the prophecy, heard the interpretation of the dream, but he stood and proclaimed his greatness on the, on the uh, 
castle top or his house top. The Lord struck him down and he went into the uh, fields and ate grass and grew his toenails and hair and everything like an animal for seven, seven years. And said, so at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have I done? No, it's what has God done. This is where, uh, oh boy, now I just pulled a blank on the name. This is where Abraham gives up his wife uh, to, uh, pardon? Abimelech, thank you. And uh, Abimelech takes her as his wife. But God goes and shows not only only does he have sovereignty over nations, not only does he have sovereignty over nature, he has sovereignty over men and their individual actions and their desires and what they're going to carry out. Now, obviously, Abimelech had a desire for her or he would not have taken her. And the Bible tells us that Sarah was a beautiful woman. But God said to him in a dream, yeah, I know that you have done this, taken her as your wife, in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. And he did not go into her in the bed. Okay, He never consummated that marriage, as we would say. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. God is sovereign over the actions of men and what they don't do. And he was sovereign in Sarah's life and protecting her and keeping her. And it says she was a woman of great faith, right? She called Abraham her Lord. I think, I think this right here is why Sarah was, was uh, seen as a, as, a, as, a, as a lady of faith in uh, 1 Peter. She trusted her husband. Not only trusted her husband, she trusted God. She shouldn't have trusted her husband. But she did trust her God. God is free over men in his sovereignty. The heart of man plans his way. But the Lord establishes his steps. What does this tell us? What are most you going to do? Well... You go to work tomorrow morning. What are you going to do, Clifford? Look at your schedule. You're going to plan the week, right? Right. Well, what does this say? For the rest of the week, what? The Lord's going to establish your steps, right? Many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. We have many plans. God calls us to plan our ways, right? He says, you know, plan your way. But God will establish your steps. And your plans are many, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And that's a comfort. That should be a great comfort to us, right? If it's our plans that stand, we're in a lot of hurt. A man's steps are from the Lord, how then can he understand his way? Okay? So, so we know that we plan our way, right? We know that the Lord establishes 
your steps. We plan, but it's according to the purpose of God. So we know that our steps are from the Lord. We know that we do, but we also know that I'm stepping, that I'm walking, right? I'm, I'm walking. How then can I understand this? That's a mystery. Okay, this is, this is, this is one of the mysteries that we're going we're gonna to stop at. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to come to a point and we're going to say, God's sovereign. God works. He's in control. But I'm responsible for my steps. Okay? I step. I walk. I plan. But I acknowledge the outcome of those plans are from the Lord because he established it. Okay? And may, I, don't, I don't think our minds can understand that. But we can accept it. And I think we, at that point, we stop. And that's okay. That, that, is, that is a mystery that we will have to deal with and stop in this class. Okay? It's not going to be explained. Well, we'll get it again in salvation, okay? Man's ability versus responsibility, okay? God's providence versus man being held accountable. Okay, we'll, we'll look at that. We'll figure it out, but, but we'll, we'll look at it and we'll, and we'll fall at his feet and worship him. Well, we see that God is sovereign over nature, sovereign over nations. He's sovereign over men and individual actions, right? Why? Why is he sovereign over them? Why is he sovereign over them? Bingo. Because he created them. But now, O oh Lord, you are our father, Isaiah said. We are the clay. We, you are the potter. We all, all are the works of your hands. The Lord has made all things. He is creator. Because he's creator, he is free to decree. Right? The free decrees of a king. Okay? I think we lose that in our culture. We we lose what a king is. Right? We think we're king. Okay. Now, one thing we need to remember is when this country was founded, one of the battle cries was no king but King Jesus, to their own ends. But that was one of the cries: no king but King Jesus. So they did acknowledge a king. They did acknowledge a king. One of the things I like, uh, probably closest to a king, is a, is a captain aboard a ship in the Navy. I mean, he's God, <laughs> okay? Little G, okay? But when you come and report to him, his very common response is, make it so. Okay? He speaks, it acts. 600 men and a hunk of steel turns and moves as that man directs, okay? Aboard that ship, aboard that ship, he has a kingdom. That's probably the, maybe the closest saying for any of you who have been in it. That's this, this, this vessel acts as an entity based on his word, on his command from the house, from the pilot house. So the root and stem of God's character, the free decrees of the king, or as we commonly say, we'll talk about God's providence. And just like sovereignty, which I think we, well, most people say God is sovereign. Very few people will deny God's sovereignty, but they don't take it to that next step in saying, that he's free to do what he is in his sovereignty. Okay? Same thing with God's providence. Well, what is God's providence? 
you know, what, 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 is, what is that? We talk about the providence of God. Again, the free decrees of the king. Uh, we've seen that God is creator and sovereign, therefore he is free. Since he alone has the might and the right to be free, we may reasonably conclude that he alone has a right to prescribe and to govern all of his realm. Okay? God's free decree to govern his realm is what we term providence. God's free decree to govern his realm is what we call providence. Make it so. All right? He makes it so by the word of his power. God is continually, so let's look at kind of a more of a, a defined definition, some points. Uh, God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that he, one, keeps them existing and maintaining the property, properties with which he created them. Okay? He preserves them, Right? Not fancy. What 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 just happened? Gravity. Okay. God's providence, God's rule has ensured that every time, at least in this realm, in this earth, when I drop that pen, it will fall. God's providence, by the word of his power, he upholds that and he sustains that. Okay? That is keeping them existing, maintaining the properties with which he created them. He created the law of gravity. God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that he, too, cooperates with created things in every action. Okay? Directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do. Okay? Concurrence. God's providence concurrence with man's will. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come over here and sit in a chair. I'm going to sit in a chair. I, I sat in the chair. Right? Y'all walked through this door. But God's directed that to happen, that this class would happen. It's, that's, that's the idea of concurrence. It's another aspect of his property, of his uh, providence. And his involvement with created things in such a way that he directs them to fulfill his purpose. Okay? Government. He governs the actions of men. Um, if you, um, Wayne Greedham's got a great, uh, I think a really nice chapter in his systematic theology that just puts in perspective uh, the providence of God. And it, he, he explains it really well. I think he does a good job. Um, a proper Biblical definition of understanding of providence guards us against some things too. Okay? It guards us against error. It guards us against the error of deism, the watchmaker, right? He winds it up and he walks away and lets it happen. Well, providence doesn't say that. He says he's actively involved in the affairs of men. Pantheism. What does pantheism say? God is in everything and everything is God. This doesn't say that. Okay, this say God created everything. God is outside of everything, but God is involved in directing everything. 
Okay? So proper understanding of God's providence protects us from that. Okay? Also, it, uh, it protects us from thinking things are chance. Okay? Uh, I want to talk about if you're going to go buy a lotto ticket or go to Vegas, but God's providence, when you're fooling around with chance and, quote, leaving things up to chance, you're fooling around not taking God's providence seriously in my, in my estimation. And also it guards us against uh, an impersonal fate. Okay? It guards us against a capricious guy, a guy that just kind of does things at his whim, whatever he thinks. Tomorrow is tomorrow. Today is today. It guards us against that because God's got an ultimate plan, a purpose that he's working it out. He's involved with men. Okay? The God of Islam, fate, right? Inshallah, the will of God. Well, it's not, it's not like we say, if God wills, we will come. No, there's no, oh, whatever God's will is, because there's nothing, there's no point in trying anything. God's will, it's fate. So, inshallah is different from our inshallah, right? Whimsical. A whimsical God. He can change. He's not pleasant. He can be happy today, happy tomorrow. Kind of does whatever pleases him for the minute. Pardon? He can lie. Sure, sure. He can lie. Why not? He, he can tell the truth today just to be changed tomorrow. It's no big deal. Okay. All right. God's providence and preservation. That was the first thing we talked about, right? The law. He is the radiance of his glory. Who's he? Jesus, right? Christ in Hebrews. Here you go, Andrew. Right here, buddy. You betcha. Thank you. Take it. All right, Hebrews 1.3. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. Okay. Gravity. Sun comes up, the rain comes down, and the grass does what? Well, the weeds. All right. John, the Johnson grass does what? It definitely grows. That's, that is God's providence right there. That's actually Genesis 3, I think, in, in action, right? Colossians 1.17. He is before all things. And in Him, what? All things go, hold together. I like, uh, I always, I've always enjoyed this verse. This is where Paul quoted one of the Greeks' own poets back to them. For in Him... Christ is where Paul's taken. In him we live and we move and we exist. As even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. We're God's children. Right? God's providence is such that in him we live and move and we exist because of his sovereign decree. His providential decree. God's providence, concurrence. What is it? The idea of concurrence, right? God, in agreement, walking, I want to say, alongside a man, man freely carrying out his actions, but God's seen, but it's God's will that is being done, right? We've already looked at that once. We'll, we'll look at that again here in a minute. Ephesians 1, with a view to administration, superfluous times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ. This is not a good kind of this. Things in heavens and things on earth in him also we have obtained an inheritance, inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, 
who works all things after the counsel of his will. All things. So everything we're doing in your life, your work, your children, your marriage, the affairs of men, the economy, he's working in all those things in concurrence so that it happens and it takes place after the counsel of his will. And Charles can remind me of that tomorrow morning when we pray before work. Matthew 6.11. Give us this day our daily bread. And what did David remind us that he's going to do tomorrow morning? What did David Calkins remind us? What are you going to do tomorrow morning, Dave? Get out of bed and you're going to do what? Because God gave you 40 hours next week to what? To work. I'm going to work. Man doesn't work. Don't let him eat. But what do we do? We pray. Give us this day our daily bread. That means we can sit down at the kitchen table and just wait the whole day, right? God works concurrently, okay, in his providence to provide for his people. Government. Now, we looked at this once before, and this is where I, 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 I this, is real, this is one of those Old Testament examples I think is great in, in uh, understanding the concurrence of God. Um, Assyria, the rod of my anger, okay? I send him against the people in my wrath. I command him, okay? So God sends, God commands. Assyria's the rod of his anger. It's the instrument of God's judgment of Israel. God is acting. God is directing. But after Assyria comes, after Assyria acts, after Assyria, after he, what? takes spoil and he seizes and he plunders and he treads them down. After Assyria has done all this, at God's direction, when the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion, when the Lord has finished his work, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look of his eyes. Because what did he say? His heart doesn't think so. He's just in his own. It's in his heart to destroy. It's in his heart to cut off the nations. But the king says, for by the strength of my hand, I have done it. And God says, this is the same thing as if the rod, if a rod should wield him who lifts it. Make sense? That's the tail wagging the dog, right? Does the tail think it's got command of the dog? Or the staff should lift him who is not wood. Therefore, the Lord, the God of hosts, will send wasting sickness among his stout warriors. And under his glory, a burning will be kindled like the burning of fire. The light of Israel will become a fire, and his holy one a flame, and it will burn and devour his thorns and briars in one day. So, Israel's acting, I mean, Assyria's acting in their freedom. The king of Assyria is doing his will. But they're the rod of God's anger. God's sending him. He's commanding him. And then God says, I'm going to come down. I'm going to punish you because you were arrogant and you were boastful and you abused my people. Shut him out. But God is in control. 
I think that's a, I, I just love Evan. Concurrence. Government. God has a purpose. Government. God has a purpose and a plan in all that He does in the world. And He providentially governs or directs all things in order that they accomplish His purpose. Psalm 103 says this, The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Right? What's the psalm that says He stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? Isn't that, isn't that picture? He stoops down to look on the earth. That, that, that's what I think. No, no, no. He didn't stoop down from the heavens. He stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. Because he created them all. He's outside. He, he, he flung out the stars. Right? I heard, I heard it described this way. He flung out the stars. Right? Think of how huge the universe is. And he said, that's just a little bit like me. Right? So when we see that. So I heard someone describe it. Oh, that's great. So when we see the heavens and the stars. That's just a little bit, just a little bit like him. Because he stoops down. He kind of tends to stoop down and look on them. God's freedom extends to the actions of men, even their choices. Let's look some. Let's look some examples here. Okay, I'm with concurrence, but I meant to go government too on this. Okay, concurrence, government. He's working with both of them. Okay, but God's actively involved. Okay, these these ideas of providence really blend many of them. Okay, but God's will will be done. Joseph and his brothers. We all know this one, right? Right. Joseph been thrown into a pit, and he's a young boy, the slave. He ended up in prison. He ended up in Potiphar's house. He ended up in prison, and eventually he stood before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh put him in charge of the. Uh, Second command of Egypt, for the harvest and the uh, storehousing. So eventually, when that famine reached even into Israel, his brothers came down, and lo and behold, Joseph had been sitting there before him. Right now, their father died. Right, Jacob had died. So now they're like, uh oh. <laughs> He's been, he's been withholding his wrath from us. He's been, he's been basically providing for his father. And we get, you know, we get the crumbs off the tables, what the brothers are saying. Now father's gone. The, 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 one, that, the one that was our, our cover, our shield's gone. Now what? And they come before him and they plead. And Joseph said, you missed the point, guys. Do not fear. For am I in the place of God? As for you, okay, as for you ten, eleven accepting Benjamin, as for you ten, you meant it for evil. You meant it for evil against me. But God, but God meant it for good. To bring about what the many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus, he comforted them and spoke to them kindly. 
right? When God spoke to Abraham 400 years before that and said, go to this land, be yours. You'll be a sojourner there. You will go down into Egypt. I will bring you back. Okay? God had determined before the foundations of the world and certainly before he told Abraham, right, that he would provide for them. God's providence in the government and the affairs of men. Here's one that we know, Christ and the cross, God's providence over the responsible actions of men. Acts 2.23, Peter is speaking, Peter is speaking before, people is speaking before the Sanhedrin, I'm on blank now, but, but he's basically telling what had just happened, what had just happened in the 40 days previous. Yeah, at Pentecost. He says this, this Jesus delivered up to the what? Definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So foreknowledge is not God looking down through the corridors of time, according to this. No. Foreknowledge in some way has to do with God's definite plan. Okay, Not plan B, plan A. According to God's Definite plan A in the four lines of God, you, you crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. God, men. Later on, Acts 4. Acts 4, Peter and John before the council. Again, they're talking about it. said, for truly in this city... They were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. So who all is included there? The rulers? Right? The Gentiles? The rulers of the, rulers of the Jews and the Jews. Okay? To do whatever... This is Peter's prank, excuse me. To do whatever your hand... I'm, all right. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, the peoples of Israel. Okay, so these people all gathered together according to God's hand to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Right? These people all gathered together. They gathered together to crucify him out of the evilness of their heart. Why? According to God's predetermined plan. Okay. Uh, the scriptures say Judas acted, right? Judas acted on his own. Right? But it said it had been better that he'd never been born. Example. So, what are we to conclude? What are we to conclude? Come back. We see that God is sovereign over all. He is free. There are no random acts. God rules. He rules over nature. He rules over nations. 
and he rules over men, individual men, and in his freedom as a sovereign creator, he is free to govern his realm. Right? He is free to govern his realm. The free decrees of the king. So in his providence, the potter has freedom and rights. The pot has none. The clay doesn't speak back to the maker. Okay. The purpose of this class is to show that God saves sinners. From the belly of the fish, Jonah proclaimed, salvation belongs to the Lord. The decrees of the king. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth and the seas and all the deeps. You know, I want to read that verse I read today before the offering again. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast. So we're low and despised. We're nothing. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Our God sits in the heavens and He does whatever pleases Him, is what the psalmist says. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank You so much for the day and uh, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, thank You for not leaving us in darkness and, and wonder, but thank You for giving us a peek into Your power and into your right to rule. Lord, thank us for throwing, showing us these things that we would, uh, I pray that we'd be humble and fall at your feet and acknowledge your right to rule. And Lord, when we see that, I just, I look at myself and I am just amazed that you condescended, as Mark said this morning, to save us, to save sinners, to take the lowly and the things that are nothing and to redeem them back so that we might be a, a church to worship and to glorify you. Lord, you do all things for your glory, and we acknowledge your goodness and your greatness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.